Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 91. Hello, I we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, girls. Welcome back. How are you doing? What's Hello. going on? We're, it's cold now, so I'm very excited about that. <laughs> yes, uh, it's cold, yeah. but today is a hot day. So it's 84 degrees, and then it's going to go back down into the 60s. So it's very, very weird weather this week leading up to Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Thanksgiving, a colonizer's holiday. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true but <laughs> but i am planning on making I, a bunch honestly, of food yes but i just look at the holidays like i'm not religious but i celebrate the hell out of easter um <laughs> no pun intended because growing up it was just a fun <laughs> holiday that we would like candy and dye eggs and get the family together and like that was that's what it is to me and that's kind of what thanksgiving is to me too mm -hmm. oh man uh yeah no i i just love the cooking food part for thanksgiving i love making food uh i like i like cooking all day so that's what i really like about thanksgiving so i don't quite mind it uh i know a lot of people are just like oh my god i have to cook so much and i'm just like all right cool i'm gonna be making this and this and this <laughs> and this and all of y'all better eat it <laughs> <laughs> I actually do not enjoy cooking all day. Uh, although, <laughs> although I made a marathon of it yesterday, which was fun. Um, uh, but uh, we actually ordered our dinner at uh, Lucille's. We, I had a friend oh, that did wow. that last year and said it was amazing. It's really great because it, you know, it's going to taste delicious. And second of all, uh, you just pick it up either the day before or the day of, and then take it back home and just put the turkey in the oven and heat up everything. And it's just perfect and delicious. Uh, so it takes a lot out of like the work in the kitchen. And so if you're hosting, which is uh, not something I promote because of COVID, uh, in the past, when I've been the host, it's, it, it really benefited me because I wanted to take a shower and put makeup on and do the, the fake eyelashes and all of that. So putting it in the oven and not worrying about it was... <laughs> that was my my jam but but yes uh no. that's funny well oh no that's i i have said i want to try that one year because uh my friend was like it was so good i'm like oh my gosh and you don't have to clean up after well they actually went there this year that's not an option but uh mm -hmm. not having to clean up sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, that was an option. They were taking reservations, but when I went to order my turkey stuff to go, uh, th the lady was telling this gentleman, he's like, he's like, yeah, I want to reserve this, this and that. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, all the reservations are taken. Mm -hmm. There's only a limited amount because of social mm -hmm. distancing. So he was asked out. Yeah. <laughs> Big F. Well, I ordered, I ordered a honey baked ham. And uh, Honey Baked Ham also has roasted turkey breasts. And since it's just Eddie and I, so we ordered um, that from Honey Baked. And then I'm going to be doing all the sides at home. So I also am looking forward to it. Um, Eddie and I have such a small, such a small kitchen. He calls it our Fisher Price kitchen. Um, <laughs> and I, I have to. I have to actually today and tomorrow focus on putting all of our clothes away that are sitting on top of the dryer because that is where we put all of the food and the staging and everything <laughs> the outer space. So we pile everything on the washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, seriously, I think we would put an extra table, like one of those little TV trays just to make more room yeah. when, when we had to cook and stuff. It's, it's, yeah. oh, it's, mm -hmm. it's fun. And it's funny because it's like, you're, you're playing Tetris and you're putting all these ingredients together and you hope nothing. Yes. Burns. So, <laughs> yeah. so, it's, so it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, our kitchen is fairly moderately sized, but we usually it gets taken up during uh, Thanksgiving because we're, mm -hmm. we're unsure if we want to make a turkey, but every year I make lasagna and like mm -hmm. a couple of other sides. So I'm going to be making lasagna. I'm going to be trying my hand at making baked mac and cheese. And then there's the usual mashed potatoes and um, um and a bunch of other stuff that I usually... I usually wait like till the end to really decide what I, what it is that I want to do. But uh, this year, my sister wants a turkey. My mom does not want to make the turkey. And I'm pretty 50-50 about whether I want to undertake <laughs> making the turkey. Because usually doing the yeah. turkey is a collab effort between me and my mom. And if my mom doesn't want to do it, yeah, then I, I'm not going to do it because no one's going to help me. But my little sister has said that right. she would help me if... I say yes, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I don't know. You've been in the kitchen a total of like five times in your lifetime, and I don't trust you with the with the fire. <laughs> my, I find it very little... interesting. Individual. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, no. My sister is one of the Latinas who doesn't know how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very interesting the individual unique items that families have during their holiday meals like both Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving like for us we have macaroni salad mm -hmm. I don't know where that tradition came from but macaroni salad is like something that we have for Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving and it seems like a huge undertaking that we don't normally do it just to do it but for Christmas or Thanksgiving we make macaroni salads and now you're saying you make yeah, I make a lasagna. lasagna I don't know Thanksgiving. why. Anything interesting, Sarah? No, uh, we didn't really we didn't really celebrate Thanksgiving growing up. Uh, I remember one oh, okay. year when we still lived in Gardena and my parents were still married. Uh, one, uh, we never really celebrated. And then secondly, one time we tried to go to Pizza Hut and order a pizza and just to find out that they were closed because it was Thanksgiving. So it's always oh, been like, yeah. you know, and then um, as the years progressed, and I guess they found the need to have to celebrate it, sort of like, you know, it's some days off, so let's cook and stuff. So my mom made this spaghetti. It's so funny. It's it's a spaghetti with canned um, tomato sauce and sour, uh, sour cream cooked in itself. And it it sounds huh. like it sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like a sacrilegious uh, spaghetti, but it's delicious. Let me <laughs> and then it got queso uh, <laughs> fresco on top. It, I don't know. It was just so good. Uh, and then yeah. ha, uh, ha, uh, what is it? A ham. Uh, she would put a ham in the uh, oven with these. She called them clavos, which were these little kind of like. I don't know. They look like little cloves. Cloves, yes. Yeah. Um, and she put them between cloves. the the cuts, yeah. and and I thought that was so fun to yeah. watch and to pull them off. I it, I don't know why, but yeah, I, I thought those were so funny. And um, so that's what we had. We had spaghetti, and uh, and a ham in a can with the cloves on top that she cut into these little squares designed. So there's like a little diagram. It it just was. It was fun, and I thought that was just our own thing, but I think a lot of people did that too. So, but it was fun. Here's the thing: I've, I think I've only had ham once, uh, oh. and that's because, and that wasn't like me. That I had went to somebody else's like Thanksgiving uh, like party that they invited me to, and that was just a, like, this is weird. I don't like it, uh, and I just like I don't know ham. <laughs> Ham itself is so odd to me outside of like a sandwich that that I I don't really like it actually. If it's not in sandwich form, really? I do not I do not like ham. Yeah. And oh. uh well, in our case, this is so funny because my mom would also make uh salsa. So mm -hmm. there's the spaghetti with the with the queso fresco on top, the ham and the salsa. <laughs> and, and it's like I think of it now as like the funniest dish uh Thanksgiving dish but uh -huh. the reason the ham was okay uh, uh Jen was because I would mix the uh spaghetti with the ham and it the, the moisture of the spaghetti would spill into the ham and it made it taste good and of course the, the <laughs> you're describing 
you're describing this and I'm honestly a little grossed out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but just imagining just like ham itself on spaghetti. I'm like, I don't know about that. (laughs) I really don't know about that. I love ham. So it sounds good to me. (laughs) I know. And I don't like, I don't know why, like, I I don't, I don't, it's because we never had it. And it's really funny that you mentioned, uh, because Thanksgiving has always been more of a religious thing to me, because that's how my parents celebrated it, because Mm. the church that they were part because or else they wouldn't have celebrated Thanksgiving. I don't, to this day, I don't think my mom understands what Thanksgiving like is as like an american holiday she only understands it as a in a religious context and that's how kind of how it is for me as well but i also call it the Mm -hmm. colonizer's holiday because one i'm funny uh and (laughs) and two like that's what that that's kind of what it is to me to me like celebrating thanksgiving is more like a reclamation like i'm still here I'm like I'm still here. <laughs> the the indigenous peoples is still here, bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I'm giving thanks for. But also, yeah, like it. Um, uh, my mom started celebrating Thanksgiving because the the church group that she had been part of celebrated it, and they but they celebrated it more as a religious thing than as mm. like an American holiday because most of the people there were immigrants, and so and kind of like the person who was in charge of the group and stuff like that was just like well it's an american holiday but we can make it we don't quite understand it but we can understand it in this context Mm -hmm. and so that's how kind of how i've always seen thanksgiving makes sense makes perfect sense i mean in the spanish uh translation is acción de gracias action Mm -hmm. of thanks or or dia de gracia yes so it so it it makes sense that it would like we're thanking god Mm -hmm. and that's why Mm -hmm. it it would have religious connotations to it so yeah and I wanted to be more uh, as I got older I wanted to be more traditional um so but I didn't know how to cook it so again I just ordered out it was great (laughs) (laughs) yeah no the recipe that we use for the for the turkey is still the same recipe that my mom learned from that church group we've been using this recipe for oh nice since I was born like Mm -hmm. this recipe is possibly older than me so and i don't know i don't know who taught the person that she learned it from or how they learned it but that's the it's the same it's the same turkey recipe that we always use and it's tasty i like it it's just a bitch to make yeah (laughs) and you know that's so funny because my dad for work like he worked at this big company it's gotten smaller now uh because of covid as well it's even gotten even smaller now but before in the years but in the good times when we were young he would get a a free turkey from work and so um Mm -hmm. mom took it upon herself to actually cook the turkey that they were given instead of putting it in the mole (laughs) <laughs> hey that's that's valid though <laughs> turkey turkey and yeah mole, that's like that's turkey real tradition mole. right there yeah. so mm-hmm. uh she tried to do it in the oven and what she did is she blended a bunch of chilies and was basting the turkey with it but uh she said it didn't turn out so good because it was really dry and uh and i was uh-huh. like well i don't think I don't think, well, I mean, I don't think that you baste it with chili, but I mean, it was a good effort. I thought, you know, she was trying to make it her own. I would have been mm. interested to taste that turkey basted with chili. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I think what a lot of people don't realize that there's a reason turkey bags exist. I personally don't use yeah. them, but yeah. what I do use is a lot of aluminum. Yeah. A lot of foil. Oh, you got to keep it covered. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to keep it covered and then maybe uncover it for the last like yeah. 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes of baking so that it mm-hmm. can get that real nice crisp on top. But before that, Crispy. you're going to want that baby covered because or else it's going to be dry AF. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the, mm-hmm. the part that that she didn't like about it. So um, after that, I think she just would cut it up and put it in the mole whenever we had mole. So mm-hmm. and that worked out fine, too. Yep, sounds good to me too. Yeah, that tr- <laughs> that turkey never went to waste. No. <laughs> All right, guys, what time is it now? Kristen, what time is it? Es la hora de la cervecita. Ooh. And today we have a 
sparkling sour blonde ale aged in oak barrels with natural flavors added. And it, it is brewed by, which is uh, B-R-U-E-R-Y. Um, and the brewery is located in Orange County in Placentia, California. And this, um, this can is, uh-oh. <laughs> Oh, that is not promising. That is not promising at all. Okay, Sarah just took a taste, and the look on her face—her, her—she has a a, a fuchi face. <laughs> oh my god! Um, the flavor is hibiscus lime. Now, this oh. drink is just seventy-five calories calories and this helps a refreshing crisp and slightly tart i think uh that might be a misnomer given uh, sarah's face after she drank it <laughs> slightly tart blonde ale with vibrant notes of hibiscus and lime bright on flavor light on calories so the name of this drink is is bright b-r-i-t-e and it's brewed by the brewery and this is their hibiscus lime sparkling sour blonde ale aged in oak barrels so we're gonna go ahead and give it a try sarah ruined it with her face <laughs> so i'm not i don't i don't want to try it now <laughs> it, it's just 75 calories guys Ooh, it smells it's when you open it it smells like hard alcohol mm -hmm. <laughs> i do not like how it smells <laughs> Everybody could just see everybody's faces right now, but yeah, it smells like hard alcohol. It it, it dissipated a little bit, but I have. So I'll let you guys taste it while I uh, t describe the um, the purchase. So I I you guys know that I'm all about the double IPAs and the IPAs and you know the stouts and all of that, but um, sometimes we need to bring a little different stuff to the podcast. We need to broaden our horizons. <laughs> and um, the girls had made a mention that, they, you know, they are into these uh, ciders sometimes and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, like I'm going to broaden my horizons because I'm usually the ones that picks up the beer uh, for the podcast. And I've, I've been noticing that I've been uh, leaning towards a certain type of beer and I want to be more open to different ones. So I saw this can and I saw, oh, like calories, sometimes our our listeners can be probably trying to lose weight or training or whatever and they might want a beer that's light in calories okay let's try this one it looks pretty it's shaped like a um, does look pretty it's shaped mm -hmm. like a like an energy drink can and mm -hmm. uh like a red bull and i and the brewery has really great beers yes. brewery is really known uh, to be an amazing um uh, brewery so i thought okay i can't go wrong right right <laughs> it's the slightly, silence the slightly noise. tart part that is just a fat out bold lie no you know what <laughs> mixing i think mixing jamaica with lime is a mistake oh yeah yeah i, think I do not I like that combo yeah i do not like that combo there was no and... latino involved in that flavor mixture no mm -hmm. no it's I... really heavy on these ingredients and it just makes it super tart like super tart it's tart some no. people really love tart though i i am not one of those people mm -hmm. <laughs> I, look i like to i like to bite into lemons slices but um Ooh. yeah with salt th with salt yeah, yeah this is a little bit oh, that's yeah. Good. yeah i have a friend that eats little <laughs> to my husband and the, his, the, even he made the fuji face <laughs> <laughs> and he likes tarts he likes sours uh he says he likes it though um i have a friend who gets the little salalitos from the liquor store and puts them in the middle of the lemon and then bites it and licks it with salts and stuff mm -hmm. oh my gosh her the anatomy enamel on her teeth is so warm doing that uh, when she was younger but she she tried to get me to try it one time i can't i'm not i'm not a lemon eating person <laughs> i mean i only do it in the summers yeah 
yeah, I don't this... know. I don't know why. It's just it's like a it one. It was like it for me. It was kind of like a poor person street because you got limes by the dozen and you could get salt pretty easily, yeah. and it tasted good with tostada uh, or just by itself. So it was pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mean... this one, I am not. I'm not digging it. It's, like on nope. Friday, I on Friday I uh, picked up um, at three ten. I I picked up Warheads. It's an artisanal <gasps> art, artisanal brew works, uh, extreme sour. Uh, and I I had the blue raspberry one, and I had the cherry one too. But this tart is worse than the Warhead. Uh, worse than our Warhead? Oh with my the war- within the Warhead beer that I had. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I had uh, two of those back to back and it kind of fucked up my stomach. So note to self, <laughs> one sour at a time. <laughs> now, if the taste and the tartness was not enough to turn me off to this, this quote unquote alcoholic drink <laughs> is a three point is it 3.0? I don't know. He took the can away from me now, so I don't know what it is. Yeah, 3.0. 3.0. Like, what am I even doing wasting my time here? Yeah. So- <laughs> All right. Look, not to knock down on, like, seltzer style stuff, because, look, I've had the drink of the fit white bitch, and they're usually good. Like, <laughs> I like... I like I like White Claws, and I like, I like some of, like, the other seltzer stuff, but... Yeah. This one is just not it. For yeah, me. no, true. I've had truly. Um, I like, I don't know if I've ever had a white call, but truly, and there's another one I um I've had that I don't mind, and then I like the seltzers that I bought from the um border X border X, mm-hmm. no border uh X. I don't know the board, I get border X, and the other one, and is the one in Bell border X? Yes, okay. Yes. So- other one in Anaheim I can't remember now what it's called but um something border um they have yummy seltzers really really good seltzers mm-hmm. um and they're low in calorie they're low in carbs and they're very 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 um refreshing but this is I couldn't even take through it it's, it was it was very very tart um, so if you enjoy tart beers or sour beers or tart seltzers or whatever, I think you'll enjoy this. Yeah, if you uh, if you like that little throw up taste that sours give you, it's, you'll <laughs> love this. Well, I think we are ready <laughs> to do uh, it. So I'm going to remind everybody what our rating scale is. Um, we. We have a where one out of five is flaccid, two out of five is initial, three out of five is partial, four out of five is full, five out of five is a rigid. And if it is a drink that we love, 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 and can't get enough of, it is a six out of five Super Saiyan. So I'm going to start it off because I do not even have to think about this. I am giving this a one out of <laughs> five. I'm giving it a flaccid um, because it is just not doing it for me. It is very, um, very tart. Um, I agree 100% with what you said, Jen. Hibiscus and lime flavors together um, were not complimentary at all. So, mm-hmm. uh, so this is Jen, and I'm also going to go with Kristen. I'm giving it a flaccid. And I, if I could go worse, I would. I just don't like sours. <laughs> like, look, there's like maybe one or two that I've had that I really liked. And one of them was from uh, Dudes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. They have they have a, a Jolly, uh, is it a Jolly Rancher? Or like, I think it was Jolly yeah. Rancher, yeah. They have a Jolly, Ranch, a Jolly Rancher, like blueberry sour. That's mm-hmm. really, really good. And even the beer itself kind of looks kind of purple when they pour it for you. And uh, it's like, it's, I, I like that one. This one is definitely not it. Flaccid, mm-hmm. flaccid, do not like the taste, do not like the hibiscus lime concept, and do not, I just, and I don't like the smell either. That was, oh, the that was smell a funky was, smell. Yeah, the smell when you yeah. opened it was not, 
It's a it's a lie. The smell is a lie. <laughs> I can't even get a decent buzz from it. Right. Oh. And to top it off, yeah, that that was the that was that sealed the deal. <laughs> that sealed the deal. Yeah. Um, what you, about you, Sarah? Uh, flaccid for me. It. Uh, oh, it's so bad on so many levels for me. Uh, the tartness <laughs> was so rough. Um, the, I don't know if you guys did an extra sip after it became warm temperature. Oh, yeah. Room temperature just was not the business for this particular beer. Oh. Uh, it just, it got worse. The aperture taste just got worse. Uh, every time I sip it, my face scrunches up like arse face. And, um, <laughs> and I just, I actually, honestly, I cannot keep drinking it. I'm good. It's going to go in the garbage for me. Uh, down the yeah. Yeah, yeah so if this thing classic. gets any warmer, it's going to be warm barf. That's what it is. Uh, it's uh, And to top it off, because I'm a little hungry, it made my stomach a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, oh, like yeah. acid on the walls of my intestines. That's what it is. Acid yep, on the yep. walls of my intestines. So yeah, that concludes this beer review. I don't want to speak more of it. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fault <laughs> I take full responsibility alright guys it's now time for Chisme de la Semana and Jen you had some Chisme for us today yes uh, it just broke today so when this episode comes out maybe more people know but Sylvester Stallone has confirmed that he will be coming out in Suicide Squad. Uh, how big his role will be, we don't know since they've already recorded everything. Uh, supposedly, like the film is set to is already like recorded. So a lot of people are thinking it's either going to be a voiceover role or like a cameo that they'll film later on. Uh, because the director for the newest Suicide Squad movie is actually James Gunn. In case you forgot about that, so him. Sylvester Stallone came out in Guardians of the Galaxy that James Gunn uh, rewrote. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a cameo because DC, Warner Brothers, whatever, started copying that little tidbit uh, from Marvel a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think around the first Suicide Squad movie when they had uh, What's-His-Face uh, cameo as Batman. So there's that. Uh, um, Michael Keaton. Not Michael Keaton. I know Michael Keaton was Batman, but he wasn't in Suicide Squad. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Um, what? Do, um, no, I was name? thinking. I was thinking of the new one they're gonna film where they're Michael Keaton's gonna be Batman's dad or future oh, Batman yeah. in the Flash kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, uh, but you're right. Uh, what's his name? The guy we don't like with the big cheeks. Uh, he looks fine. <laughs> I just cheeks. don't. I just don't. I just ben don't Affleck. like. Oh uh, yeah, Batfleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, yeah. Uh, Yeah, with uh, Ben Affleck, whatever. Um, But, uh, so, we're not sure, like, it hasn't been revealed yet, but Sylvester Stallone confirmed for Guardians, Guardians, no, not Guardians, sorry. (laughs) Getting my franchises mixed up, we were just talking about it. Uh, No, Ben Affleck confirmed, Ben Affleck, you see, I'm doing it again. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone confirmed to appear in uh, Suicide Squad. Interesting. Nice. That's I haven't even seen the first one, so I guess I gotta catch up. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I'm surprised they're making a second one. That's that's my show. Oh, I have a little more faith in the second one because I did see Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, and that one was a lot of fun. I really that liked was that fun. One. Yeah, I and that one. um, oh god, who? What's her? I've been calling her Harley in my head, but that's not her real name. Margot Robbie. <laughs> Margot Robbie, yes. Uh, no, she she did a great job, and yeah, I really like her. her. Yeah, and um, uh, James Gunn is going to be directing this new Suicide Squad movie. So, one, they've already got a better director. Uh, and they have the talent. So, I have a little bit more faith in this one. Uh, because the Harley Quinn one, the Harley Quinn movie was really fun, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, We'll see how good it is. Excellent. I have two pieces of cheese, man. One of them is 
It's an HBO Max original, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion streaming. Oh yeah, <gasps> I've been no- seeing that. Yeah, November nineteenth, oh, wow. guys, on HBO Max. I'm excited. That's in four days. Yes. Well, so- there's going to be a lot of cheese around that because I know that the original Aunt Vivian left on a very sour note. And I think apparently she's supposed to be involved with this some way, somehow. Oh, wow. I'm totally. Damn, how fat was the check? (laughs) (laughs) That's the real cheese, man. (laughs) Sis said, I'll do it for money. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll do it too. I mean, but so much time has passed that maybe, you know, like, you know, they're just over it. And it's like, all right, you know, like a nice payday kind of thing. Sure, Mm -hmm. why not? I'll do it. I would do it. Yeah, like like in fifty years, we're gonna come back for the Combatancy Comics reunion tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no! If I left on a sour note, I'd be petty about it. <laughs> so the day I died, so it is. It would have to be like I don't care if it's fifty or hundred years later, and I'm somehow still alive. I'd be like, how big that check though? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that's just that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I have other cheese mate. Uh, it's DC News again. And Jim Lee, uh, it's in the wake of all these layoffs and recent D- changes in DC Comics. It's again claimed by Ethan Van Siver. The publishing division will close Cyber. its Cyber. <laughs> Thanks. I think so. Van Siver. Ben Siver. E- pu- Ethan Van Skyver, head of uh, Comics Gate. Yes, exactly. The publishing division uh, <laughs> that will close its doors and also that Jim Lee will be leaving the company. So Jim Lee's leaving Ooh. DC. Wow. Yeah. Talking now. All right. That's a big rat leap, leaping out of the out of the, out of the drowning the... ship. Yep. Well, Isn't that kind of thing? Wow. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not an insult yeah, not an insult to Jim Lee, who is a great artist. Uh, I don't know him as a person, but his artwork's real nice. But he's he's their big money maker. Mm-hmm. He's like, if he's doing a book or if he's doing a variant cover for something, people want it because like there's just but so him leaving is a big fucking deal. Yeah, Van yeah. uh, Cyber goes on to say that DC as told to him by creators and editors that uh, um, the company is in complete chaos. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's a, what is it? It's a drowning ship for sure. And Jim Lee's uh, leaving just proves that, uh, I don't know what's gonna save this. I really don't. Jim Lee leaving to me is a major sign that if you're a content creator for DC right now, you need to get out. Exactly. <laughs> you ain't gotta go. You ain't. You ain't. You ain't. Go, you ain't gonna have a job. Well, last week there was another round of layoffs, and the people mm-hmm. that were lay off, laid off were all direct market um, people, uh, meaning all the people who are heavily involved with the retailer side of DC were all laid off. So this is more uh, indication um, on the surmisement that is that a word surmisement um mm-hmm. the guesswork of um the route that dc is going towards all digital so again it's all just cheese man we don't know but it seems like every action builds upon the last action that seems to be that we're going in that way yeah mm-hmm. it's it's unfortunate but i mean we're we're keeping abreast of the current news and what's coming out of this uh, chaos that is DC at this point. All right, guys, it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we have that was referred to us by the beautiful and talented Jules Rivera because she was the illustrator. It is a a comic called Spectre Deep Six. And uh, just to quickly give a little synopsis, the overview says, in the vein of Flatliners and Ghost meets the born 
identity and living. A diverse team of black ops, quote unquote, specters, elite soldiers who died in the line of duty, duty only to be reanimated by military scientists and brought back as actual ghosts carry out illicit missions for the united states government in exchange for day passes to haunt their old lives and fulfill their unfinished business specter deep six is a parent Paranormal sci-fi graphic novels on six reanimated specters who have the tactical precision and paranormal abilities to carry out the most important and clandestine missions for our government. Missions that are too dangerous, illegal, and secretive to leave any trace. Assassinations, regime toppling, technology theft, halting nuclear weapons programs, and more. So that is just a brief synopsis of this um, graphic novel. It was, I believe, six um like little issues within i i'm not sure if this was um ever released in single issues or just one graphic novel but we got to read the whole entire thing and um it was written by uh jennifer brody and illustrated by jules rivera um yes and I'll, um i also read somewhere that she also co-wrote it too so it was a so co-creator and co-writer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and it's published by Turner Publishing Company. Mm -hmm. And if you want to purchase it, it's available at Amazon, Target, Walmart, uh, abooks.com. So it's it's pretty available out there. And this is a volume one that we are reviewing. Um, so what, what do you guys, let's let's open it up. What do you guys think? Well, all right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Kristen, you cut out for me. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, well, and then I said, oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I No, you, you go ahead. Sorry. Okay, well, so what I was going to say is in the beginning, I was very, um, okay, so it was soldiers and science science and that kind of whatever about it when I read the epilogue but it wasn't until I started reading more and got more into the background stories of the characters that I started actually uh, becoming more like uh, bought into their storylines and wanted to see where it was going um, and I enjoyed reading how those little inner stories were uh, being like there are six people who died in the line of duty who got brought back and they each individually had their own um like i don't want to say trauma but like uh issues <laughs> that they were dealing with in their lives before they died and so getting that day pass to go back to to do that that was what's intrigued what intrigued me but also it was like this is fucked up <laughs> like, yeah you're, you're you're making these people do this these like missions missions or whatever and just it's like you're holding a carrot in front of them just to basically have control over them and i was like yeah that's a hundred percent what the government would freaking do even when mm -hmm. after people die, they still want to have control over you. Mm -hmm. So um, this is Jen and I love this. I, I love this book. It was so good. And it was like, it was like deeply fucked up on multiple levels, but the story itself was very interesting to me and very intriguing. Uh, and it's definitely you. I don't know how much Jennifer Brody contributed to it but because we interviewed Jules and we know Jules I could see her touch throughout the book everywhere mm. like not just like her art but like certain uh aspects and ideals like the surfing guy um, yes um, uh -huh. yeah uh, the uh, one of one of the side characters who gets involved with one of the with one of the ghosts um uh vanessa who hooks up with uh, her ghost boyfriend now yeah uh, i thought that i was just like oh that that's 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 jules right there that's jules self-inserting herself right there and you know what <laughs> kudos to that i like i respect it because i mean if you're gonna create something might as well 
<laughs> but also like um the lady and like her cats and stuff like that like mm-hmm. i just i could see jewels in this entire book and i loved it like mm-hmm. it was uh i it she managed to like uh put in so much of like how her life and still like but it's it's also like very interesting because it's mixed in with like the science fantasy uh this sci-fi like ghost story that's going on as the forefront too but it's it it was it was really good and honestly i i had a moment of irony of like uh one of the people that we meet oh what was his name luke uh, luke i think so was that well, was who? that bianca's <laughs> husband who oh. she's no uh oh god what was his name you know, Zane. I, Zane. I thought yeah. Luke Zane, something like that. Yeah, Zane. <laughs> Zane. Yeah. Um. Uh, so the book starts out with uh, uh, Bianca, who is an who's a soldier was or was a soldier who took on an undercover mission to try to find her husband, who mm-hmm. she has a kid with. Um, what she doesn't like, she fakes her own death, but uh, when she's in the mission as what tends to happen she gets killed mm-hmm. and then she's get and then she's brought back to life by a government like a secret government operation that basically takes her ghost and like and kind of i guess solidifies it uh so that they can be uh sent out on discreet missions and stuff like that uh, towards the end there's a white guy who um uh who basically tells her, like, you know what that is? This is like that's slavery. Uh, there's the irony of a white guy <laughs> telling a brown woman, "Hey, that's slavery." That was just so funny to me. Like, I get that it. Was, I don't. I. I think she was trying to aim for something serious or whoever was, but the the image of a white guy saying, "Hey, that's slavery," was like super fucking funny to me for some reason <laughs> and i just like uh, i don't know it kind of added for me it added to the moment but um, um but there was like there was there was some credit to what he was saying as, as well because I, throughout the entire thing i was just like that's so fucked up like they are basically stuck in these glass chambers that they cannot leave because yeah. if they leave they dissipate they're ghosts yeah. Mm-hmm. who like who are kind of given solid form and the only way that they can stay alive is th- in these chambers and they can only kind of stay solid outside of their thing for what was it like 72 hours or something like that and yeah to, like up it or not even 72 hours i think like eight hours eight hours like for sure they can keep it 72 hours if they want to survive and come back right from yeah. like and stuff like that and uh it kind of made me i had questions about like okay why did they choose them specifically like did they want somebody who Mm -hmm. they who they could kind of have control over because they had an uh an outside life uh besides the military or like did they sign like some kind of contract like saying like hey you can use my body after i die or something like that because all of them were ex egg like ex military in -hmm. some form of manner uh so uh but they were it was quite a cast of characters uh all of them who i ended up really enjoying a lot about um um, and it's it's i could see jules's touch everywhere uh in the book like yeah i i was reading the book and everything and everything about it was just so jules that i couldn't help but being endeared to it even if i didn't like it but i did like it and it just, I thought, a- it yeah. just added more it just i thought added the more. same i thought the same with the surfing i was like oh my gosh I, jules was like i'm gonna insert surfing into this book in any way that i can <laughs> <laughs> but yes that's the same thing like in the beginning i was like oh this is all sciencey stuff and swords mm-hmm. or stuff i'm not gonna be in interested in this at all i have to read this book and then the more in depth you get into the stories and the backstories and the lives that the soldiers had before um i really became endeared 
to them. And there are some like twists and turns even with some of their individual stories. And then at the end, of course, there's a big reveal and twist as well. And so, uh, and then it says, you know, that there is a second volume coming out. So I'm really super interested to continue reading. And I honestly oh, don't think this would be a book that I would have picked up based on the title or even what it looked like on the front. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree where I thought, oh, this is going to be like James Bond slash, you know, Born Identity kind of thing, which I I enjoy those movies, uh, but I didn't know how it would be served in the comic book format, mm-hmm. but it's just so good. And I like fell for each of the characters. Yeah. I mean, every one of them is individual. And another thing that we didn't touch upon is when they become these specters, they get an ability and all of the abilities are mm-hmm. different. Uh, we have James Sparks, who he has electrical discharge, but he's also the brain. He was an engineer. He w- was, uh, there's a twist to his origin story, uh, which oh, yeah. I found super cool. There is a Casey Flame, um, and she died of an a- aneurysm and hers is tracking and telepathy uh, but her story is super good like her backstory mm-hmm. from yeah. the family that she left behind oh my god I mean it took me a moment I kind of felt it but it took me a moment but oh my god the development of that character was amazing then we have John Song um, he is, his ability is possession so he can basically jump in your body and possess you um, and so and he was killed um, he actually oh, I don't want to spoil it. it I mean I loved his uh, <laughs> no it's mentioned pretty uh, pretty early on but he committed suicide actually. yes yeah. like everybody else like kind of died in like uh, in terms that they couldn't help but yeah. he was the only one who was just like, no, yeah, I fucking killed myself. And I'm like, and I wanted to stay dead, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. That. He, he's very salty about having to mm-hmm. to be part of this team. Continue to exist. But, yeah. but the cool Which thing is about very him. Interesting. Oh, oh, say, which is very interesting because he really evolves. Oh, and he's, he, I think he's the most, what is it called? Um, uh, loyal of all the troops like of all the um um soldiers because i don't know why a sense of duty i'm not i'm not too sure he was a lieutenant when he passed uh but i mean his um his story is quite interesting and the way it unravels and what is what what his story backstory is is pretty amazing then we have kim masters and she's the one who's crazy about her cats uh, she, <laughs> she has the ability to heal so uh, I, I like her too. She's so funny. Then we have uh, Bart Bartholomew, and he is um, he he is uh, poltergeisting is his is his gift, and I like mm-hmm. it because uh, there are times where like his um, his poltergeist or his essence turns into a big white ghost. Yeah, and they're like stop caps caspering. <laughs> <laughs> He's a he's a he's a, a guy who's the surfer guy. He's so fun. I, I think mm-hmm. he's he's one of the fun characters out of the whole thing. Uh, and then we have uh, yeah. Spectre Captain Bianca Vasquez, a brown Latina who she was the one who was stabbed in the back, and her abilities are te- telepathy and subject tracking. And she is actually the leader of the group. Um, so there's a, a lot of um, strong moments in in her backstory, uh, mm-hmm. but. The thing I think that uh, makes her so vulnerable is just that her daughter's still alive and she's out there alone uh, in a foster home. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really hard on her. And so, but there's so, so many levels to this story. I mean, I thought it was going to be mission driven, but the backstories and the personalities mm-hmm. of each and every one of these characters was so well developed. And there's so much back matter into yeah. the past, into what their personality is like, that uh, I think uh, I think this the, this pair of ladies did an amazing job of this book. Um, I want to read the second uh, volume. I, I think it comes out sometime in 2021. But um, mm-hmm. I'm just yes. I'm just super happy to have read it. I mean, I, I thought, oh, 152 pages. I mean, for me to know how many pages, I'm like, uh-huh. oh, damn it, that's a lot of pages. Um, <laughs> but once I got started, I had to stop myself to go to sleep because yeah. I'm like. Oh, I'm just going to keep going and I'm just going to like 
you know, stay up and read this. So I actually had to will myself to stop because I wanted to know more. I was so into the story. It was just so well done. And not to mention the colorful art. Uh, just the, oh, yeah. the science-y part of it, the, you know, the poltergeisty part of it, and uh, the evil part of it. And not, not only are these are the only existing specters out there, specter teams, we have all the countries in the world having their own specter team and specter yeah. sciences. So there's, there's a specter arms race, mm -hmm. yes, which exactly. I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> it, you, get, you get a little bit of everything. You get, you get sci-fi. You get like a little like I tend to collate sci-fi and fantasy together because science fiction is a form of fantasy to me. But so you get your sci-fi fantasy, you get family drama, you get like kind of like James Bond spy stuff going on. Uh, you get and um, uh, and you get like political intrigue as well because you have all these governments and stuff like that and mm -hmm. you get like espionage so it's yeah. just it it's a nice combination of all this stuff that uh jules and her co-writer uh jennifer just managed to weave um beautifully honestly it was it was a it was a fun read i really enjoyed it i want to know more uh and it's it like if you really like if you like any of those any of those stuffs i think this would be a perfect story for you to read oh yeah absolutely yeah, sure. it'll definitely grab you um the i think it was mm -hmm. the first three pages i was like okay this is gonna be really good like it just um i i'm the one when i read a book i don't like to read the back matter only and not the back matter the intro mm -hmm. just because i want to be totally surprised um and i certainly was it it's so good i i really definitely enjoy it like you said jen there are sprinkles of jewels everywhere from the surfing from like some of the dialogue between characters i mean it's just it's oh it's just yeah it's so mm -hmm. good. It's so good. I highly recommend everybody get out there and try to find this book. It's so good. Yeah, uh, you were mentioning all the places that, oh, sorry, I was going to say no. you're mentioning all the places that you can find it and you can also, it's available at Barnes and Noble. So if your Barnes and Noble is still uh, open or even if it's not <laughs> online, but an Amazon and then Turner uh, Publishing. Excellent. Um, do you guys want to add any more points? I mean, we don't want to spoil it, but I mean, there's so so much more juice in there that we didn't even mention. Stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can't we can't mention some of the juicy bits. Like they, those were good because they were more towards the end of the book. Yeah. But it it uh, it is it was an ambitious undertaking, and I think it did an amazing job. Like if you if you were to pitch this, it was I. I'm pretty sure somebody were like, okay, you need to delete this, this, and this because you got too much going on. But I don't think there's too much going on. I think there's a perfect amount to like really grab you and get a story going. And then you can solve these issues as they come into mm -hmm. the like, I can see how this can be split up uh, or followed or follow like a specific like storyline and stuff like that. So honestly, you can see Jules experience really shining through in the creation of this book uh so i'm ready to review it dude and that's a great thing you touched upon because there's so many things going on but the execution of every, the pacing of the book is just so well done i never felt anything was rushed i didn't feel mm -hmm. that the missions were rushed or even when they go out uh on their hauntings was was that rushed um the relationship between the life they have now and the one they left behind there was no rush everything was such a good pace uh i didn't feel rushed or that something was left behind if it wasn't something of a mystery that will surface later on. I mean, I think, like you said, the execution of this book was excellent. And yes, I am ready to review, rate it too. Go ahead, Jen. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it three conchas, the cabucha burrito, the entire fucking panaderia. Uh, <laughs> it was a great book, Jules, and I, I really loved it. Yes, I completely agree with you, Jen. The the whole panadria for me, a cup of champurrado. Let's throw some Mexican coffee in there with the tequila inside. It <laughs> is amazing. I can't wait to to volume two. You had me at hello. So this is Kristen, and yes, um, the fact that I wasn't excited about it at all and that it grabbed me and I was so into the individual character stories and that I 
want to continue to read, uh, make me want to rate this uh, three conchas and a cup of champurrado. And I really, really, really recommend that you go out and you find this book. It's two women writers and a Latina illustrator. And uh, it's a really, really, really good book. Yeah, not to mention a Latina uh, main character who happens to be the captain of her team. So, I mean, and, and, and nowhere in the mm -hmm. book do they ever belittle her or do anything. It's like she is the boss and she makes things happen and she completes missions and it's freaking amazing. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, you had an On My Radar. Yes. So On My Radar this week is a book that came out on... Um, what is it? Today's the 15th. So 14, 13, 12, 11. So 11-11. Um, <laughs> it was new this week and it is called Scaranthood. So it's a play on words of of Scarehood. Um, and uh, it is written by Nick Roche and uh, Chris O'Holloran. Um, and I don't know, I think maybe Chris O'Halloran is the artist. I have the book here, but um, so the overview goes like this, and this is published by IDW, and this was a number one that came out. Yes, the, um, the story and art is by Nick Roche, and then the coloring is Chris O'Halloran. Um, so it says, to-do list, drop kids at preschool, grab coffee with other parents, go ghost hunting <laughs> in the woods, fight demonic entity, collect kids, now. <laughs> time so uh, with their kids away on a field trip a group of parents disturbs an ancient evil buried beneath the old church hall unearthing a decades-old mystery about a missing child and inviting something hungry to die suddenly their mornings go from play dates and peanut allergies to a battle for the souls of one broken family and one child in here so this book actually um i read issue and it was really good and it really pulled me in and it is really actually um does its job for a first issue of making me want to continue to read and it follows um it, it kind of centers around this one group of parents where they're um meeting to pick up their preschool children and um they're kind of they introducing each other to each other and they find out that there is this um disappearance of a child that happened from that um church where their kids are going to preschool and uh they're kind of like making fun of it and oh it's just an old wife's tale whatever and then one of the other people uh one of the other guys in the group is like well no that was my older brother and so they kind of like uh egg one of the other guys on and is like go in and you know check it out and he crawls underneath the um the same stage where the other uh, um dude's older brother disappeared into to kind of prove that there's nothing to be scared of and turns out the complete opposite and uh turns out there is something to be scared of and then the story continues to uh evolve and uh move on from there i really enjoyed it a lot um i'm interested in reading number two and I love horror it's my favorite genre of any kind of movie uh comic uh novel whatever so I'm interested to see where this goes nice that yeah, it sounds, sounds it sounds really good like I want to know Kristen tell me what's underneath that stage <laughs> <laughs> I want to know but I get you it can we find out by buying the issue <laughs> <laughs> support your local LCS your local plus, local comic shop. Uh, uh, plus, I think it's your LCS. <laughs> I think it's super interesting that uh, this story is kind of centered around like being a parent and you know doing the parental duties and then supernatural stuff. I mean, I yeah. love it. I love it. Sounds super cool. All right, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Jen, you have a Juntos y Fuertes. 
Yes, I do. And this Juntos y Fuertes is a Kickstarter once again, because I'm really on a kick on Kickstarter. But uh, this is actually a project from someone who we have interviewed and promoted before. And it is done. It is being done by Henry Barajas. And the title is called Helm Grey Castle Number One. Uh, from the creator of La Voz de Mayo, uh, the Mayo Tata Rambo, Kickstarter's uh, Kickstarts new Latinx fantasy series, uh, Helm Grey Castle Number One. So uh, here's the synopsis for it: The last dragon prince has been adopted and is kept prisoner by an unknown threat, Aztec Mexica. Helm Grey Castle and his band of outsider adventurers are tasked with exploring the uncharted land that was once at the brink of enslavement by the savage Spanish conquistadors. But the Aztecs used sorcery to thwart the conquistadors' murderous rampage. The possible enslavement caused the ruler, Montezuma III, to declare himself the dictator of Mexico, causing a power shift in class division. Grey Castle and his comrades are recruited by an underground group to lead led to overthrow Montezuma III and the gods that suppress the land. Will Grey Castle join the resistance or save the dragon prince and flee? So the first issue will be 32 pages filled with sequential art and a one-shot role-playing game that is compatible with a D&D 5th edition handbook. Uh, the RPG will take place in the fictional Mexico American world set in Helm Grey Castle. Uh, so it's not necessary, and it's not necessary to like, so it's not necessary to know how to play D&D. It's just an option that, uh, that you can, like, you can have. It's like a one-shot adventure. Uh, currently, it is, it has a goal of $10,000, and it's currently at $6,736 with 236 backers and 24 days to go. So he's actually like around at six. Uh, 60 close to 70 percent of his goal and he only launched it like within uh last week i think or like two or three days ago Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and honestly i just i love as i said before i love science fiction and fantasy and this is something that speaks to me um (laughs) like it speaks to my soul (laughs) <laughs> like it it's it looks very Conan the Barbarian meets uh like uh Mexican fantasy uh or like that potential uh that we have um, um I think we reviewed like a like a futurism book mm-hmm. uh, that focused on Aztec um uh, like on like Aztec and Aztec mythology and stuff like that. Uh that's the vibes that I'm getting from this. So I, I'm really, really excited. And we've read Henry's other works and he has successfully, he successfully kickstarted the entire run of La Voz de Mayo. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So I'm honestly, uh, I don't know who the artist is. Uh, They, he has um, a a couple of variants going on right here. Um, But well, I'm it's, super excited. It looks, yeah, no, it looks it looks beautiful. Like the artwork looks amazing. You can see all of this on Kickstarter's page. All you have to do is type in Helm Grey Castle. Uh, and the rewards for it are all amazing. Like I want to back this up because you like one well, some of the core of the rewards include um uh, dice and dice bags so he knows the, the audience know, that I he's saw. catering to so that's a that's really really good but there is um, um the the base pledge starts off at six dollars and you can get issue number one in digital and then from there it increases uh, if you want the the print or the physical book uh and stuff like that but i like i think this is something that is it is definitely worth it if you like fantasy or if you like henry's work uh if you like D or want to like get into D without the full commitment of like reading the fifth edition handbook <laughs> i think this is a perfect way to get started with it honestly i okay yeah he has the creative team on there uh the colorist and co-creator is brian valencia and his artist is ramah m handoko who is a beautiful does beautiful artwork this it's quite a team involved actually um but uh it it looks amazing honestly 
That is so cool. Yeah, I saw the artwork and then I read the synopsis and I was like, oh, Jen's going to love this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, like, I do. I really, really do. It immediately captured my attention. Like, I, I've already backed it. Uh, so if you want to get, like, a really cool fantasy uh, series with, um, uh, with like, uh, Aztec or Mexican-inspired, uh, definitely check this out. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out to Mackenzie, our producer at the Period Network. Uh, the reason we are so thankful uh, for all her hard work and working with us and, you know, watching us grow. And uh, it's just been really amazing. And you can actually find more amazing podcasts on periodnetwork.com. And basically, uh, a podcast network made by she's and they's for everyone. Period is for everyone. Period is often a word spoken in hushed tones. And whether you are a person of who experiences periods or not, we want to, we want you to experience period with us. So Period Network is just really amazing. It's full of a, a lot of amazing podcasts. We we definitely uh, um, in, um we definitely welcome for everybody to check those out. But saludos goes out to Mackenzie, who is hard at work to make Period Network what it is today. So saludos, Mackenzie. Thank you so much for all your hard work. Um, anything to add, girls? No, Mackenzie's awesome. That's it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, you said it all. All right, guys, that, that concludes this episode. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres and coming soon, our Patreon. Uh, that's still in development, but it will be coming soon. Yes, or you could email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com. You can follow us, us at on Snapchat at comadresycomics uh, or and or also please don't forget to like and subscribe to all of our social media platforms and all of the streaming services of your choice. We are on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes podcast, iPodcast, iTunes podcast. Um, and <laughs> Apple podcast and Apple podcast. Yes. Uh, also, we have something going on that is really intriguing and amazing. Kristen, can you tell us all about Quince? Yes. So if you like subscribe and review our podcast on any of your favorite streaming platforms, you will be entered into a drawing to win the ultimate hardcover of the Quince uh, graphic novel and this is the amazing bilingual edition that is all in English and, and all in Spanish and the other and then it is separated by amazing uh, back matter uh, lots of uh, cool people who who um, lots of cool things uh, and a lot of really amazing stuff. And that's not even the best part. The best part is the Quince story itself all about Lupe, a 15-year-old girl who gains superpowers at her quinceanera and has to, um, to manage and balance being a superhero student and a family member. Um, all at the same time so uh it's an amazing book and all you got to do is review our podcast and like we said it doesn't even have to be good you know tell us that uh you hate the way that i don't know <laughs> that our voice sounds i don't know but just review us and leave comments and you will be entered to into the drawing Yes, and please remember the drawing will take place uh, in January. So you have time to do it, but don't wait. Do it now before you forget and then, uh, and then you miss out. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate you out there and stay safe. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.